This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is sponsored by ArtBase. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? We think so. Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. You just enter your data once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com now to learn more and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount. Over the past 12 years, the Art Tactic podcast has grown to be a leading art market podcast. Each week we share an exclusive in-depth interview with a key art world insider. As we move into a new phase of programming, we want our broadcast to be listener-supported and create content that you want to hear, not what we think you want to hear. You can support us by visiting contribute.to slash arttactic. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. As the art world remains mostly on holiday for the month of August... It doesn't mean that's the case for other collectibles. And after last week's podcast focused on sports collectibles, on this week's episode we wanted to recap the major Monterey classic car auctions that occurred this past week. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we speak with John Wiley, manager of valuation analytics at Haggerty, an American automotive lifestyle membership company and the world's largest provider of specialty insurance for classic vehicles. We discuss the major Monterey auctions and also explore some of the similarities and differences between the classic car market and art market. So hope you enjoy this interesting episode. Thanks so much for listening. John, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Adam, thank you for having me. I'm uh, happy to be here. So before you jump into the Monterey auctions, I think we should just take a step back and really understand how the classic car market has been performing since COVID. You know, the art market has actually been quite resilient ever since the first few months of the pandemic and has been doing incredibly well. Auction results have been very robust. I'm curious, have you seen a similar phenomenon in the classic car market? Yeah, we are. Um, one thing that we saw certainly in the early stages of the pandemic was that, you know, the live auctions sort of took a pause and actually uh, some of the, those live auction companies like RM Sotheby's um, quickly pivoted to auctions. But overall, um, the online auction space and collector cars, um, that's been growing pretty well the past several years. And so, it basically took up the slack of, you know, the live auctions and that sort of the absence of those. And um, the other thing that happened with the car market was, you know, driving your fun car was kind of the only real safe, uh, acceptable activity during, you know, the early phases of the pandemic. So a lot of people realized that and a lot of people turned to online auctions to find something fun to do and uh, put something in the garage. That's interesting. And you mentioned the shift to online. The same thing happened to the art world. People definitely have gotten comfortable buying art online. And I think if there were, there was some hesitancy from some individuals, they eventually did adapt to this new way of buying. For cars, what was that shift like going online? Were people comfortable before the pandemic buying at the high end online? Or 
Was there a significant learning curve there? Yeah, I think it did take a bit of a learning curve. And I should, you know, one thing that hasn't totally transitioned uh, to the online auction market uh, platforms are, you know, sort of the big, big cars. Um, And so, you know, for the car market, it's a little bit different from the art market and just in terms of the dollar numbers. But for the car market, a big car is, you know, something that's seven figures, so a million dollars and up. And those cars still, um, they often sell privately um, or they sell sometimes at live auctions, but they rarely sell online. And so that's one thing that people still haven't quite uh, adapted to. So the Monterey auctions, a lot is written about them. I imagine some of our listeners aren't too familiar with them, but I'm sure some are, but maybe haven't attended them in person before. It'd be great if you can set the scene for us at Monterey. What is it like and how important of a barometer is this event for the classic car market? Monterey is, is it's a little bit unbelievable for people, for car enthusiasts who haven't been there. There's uh, all manner of exotica that's driving around on the street that's on display at events and is, you know, available for purchase at some of the auctions. Um, so it's, it is sort of a, a, a separation from normal day-to-day reality when it comes to automobiles. And um, it's especially true at the high end of the market. And so um, for Monterey and just with the, the sort of the level and concentration of automobiles there, um, Monterey really kind of sets the tone for the top end of the market. And so, you know, at the auctions this year, there were some $120 million plus vehicles that were offered. And, and I think they, um, about two thirds of those sold. Um, so good uh, results. But, you know, compared to the rest of the year for the auction market, um, there are only $64 million plus vehicles. And so we really, the market and enthusiasts and collectors all really rely on Monterey to sort of get a good sense of what's happening at the top end of the market. And so what were a few of the most noteworthy sales that everyone is clamoring about from this year's auctions? One of the big sales, well, the top sale, uh, was actually in this uh, pretty unusual car. It's a 1995 uh, McLaren F1 that Gooding and Company sold for $20.465 million. Um, and what was unusual about this car was that it had about 230 miles on it. Uh, so, And it was basically an unused condition. It had been in a private collection in Japan for many years and had recently come to the U.S. And so that was the big sale. Um, it also was painted sort of this unusual color called uh, Crichton Brown, uh, which is sort of a play on a name of a McLaren cars um, uh, um, executive uh, from back in when the car was produced. Um, so it really turned out well for that car and was a notable sale. Um, one of the big cars that didn't sell was this um, Porsche 917, a 1970 model. Um, and so that's a full-on racing car. And uh, it had a high bid of $15 million, but it just didn't quite sell. And unlike, I mean, race cars all have, most race cars have some story, um, but in this case, this uh, car just maybe had a few too many things that was in the background. And so um, as with art, cars often depend and the value of them depend on the provenance of them. And so in this case, there were potentially maybe just a few too many things, but 
Um, it'll probably, it may just, you know, be an issue that uh, the right person wasn't in the room for that Porsche. Um, so, so those were some of the two big results. Uh, there were a bunch of other things, but um, I think those were the two major highlights from the auction. Your analysis and commentary on the auctions, which our listeners can check out on Haggerty's website, is really fantastic. Were there any interesting trends in the market regarding certain cars or styles performing much better than others? And are there any particular reasons behind some of these trends? I think, well, I mean, so that McLaren F1 is sort of the the best example of a group of vehicles that we described as analog supercars. And so these are sort of cars that were built in the 1980s and primarily in the 1990s. And they don't really have any of these electronic driver's aids, which are becoming pretty ubiquitous in vehicles today. Um, but back in the 1990s, uh, they really didn't exist. And so I think collectors are starting to recognize that vehicles of that era are, you know, were pretty special. And they're also not coming back. There were sort of, they were existed for a period of time and they're no longer available. So we saw that McLaren F1 sell. Well, we also saw a record price for a Ferrari F50 uh, of just under $4 million. And then another sort of unusual car of that era, which is a 1994 Bugatti EB110 Supersport. Um, and this is sort of before the current version iteration of Bugatti, which started with a Veyron. Um, but that Bugatti EV110, it sold for a record price of $2.8 million. So we saw a number of strong results of sort of analog supercars. Another interesting trend we're witnessing in the art market is that the buyer base has become much more geographically diverse over the last several years. Buyers from America, Europe, a lot of buying coming from Asia, especially right now. Is there interest in the classic car market in Asia to any extent? Uh, how diverse is the buyer base? And how much of a factor is that diversity in the market right now? One thing to point out, too, is that, you know, in the 1970s, and especially in the 1980s, um, Japanese enthusiasts just, you know, they pretty much rocked the collector car market. They were buying a lot of uh, high-end vehicles and uh, were, you know, sort of announced their presence in the collector car world. So, They've since become a little bit less acquisitive, uh, but they're still very active and they still, you know, buy a lot of fun cars, you know. Um, so, but other, you know, as more other uh, economies in Asia have grown, um, we do see collectors coming from those areas. However, I think the tendency is to offshore those cars in places like California and in Vancouver and, you know, also, you know, buyers in the Middle East, they'll some of their cars in England. Um, so it's a little bit different. I think the collectors there exist, but I don't think they uh, always keep their cars at home. And lastly, just tell us a little bit more about Haggerty and what it is that uh, the company does. Sure. Yeah. Haggerty, it started out in the early 1980s in Michigan as a insurer of wooden boats. And so it, so it sort of grew into an insurer of collector cars and has continued to grow into now it's this automotive lifestyle brand. And so, um, and then, you know, I think um, our CEO, Nikhil Haggerty, uh, pretty soon after realized that, you know, nobody really wants to talk about insurance, uh, but they do like to talk about their, you know, prized collector car or boat. Um, and so that's kind of been the guiding 
idea behind the company and its transition into more growth into like an automotive lifestyle brand. And so, um, and our mission is to save driving. And so that's what we exist to do. And we are um, not just through insurance, but also through events and uh, and through our media outlets too. John, thanks so much again for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciate your insights on the classic car market. It's really interesting to learn more about the intricacies of this market, as well as really understanding some of the similarities, maybe differences between it and the art market. Uh, as I mentioned, you wrote a great analysis on the auctions, and you also wrote a really nice article leading up to the auctions. If our listeners want to read those reports, what's the best way for them to find them online? We have a website that's market-focused. It's insider.haggerty.com, and that's where you'll find a lot of our latest articles. Um, and so it uh, has all the sort of uh, sales that teach and market trends and all kinds of good information on the on what's happening in the collector car market. Perfect. Thanks so much again, John. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Adam. We want to thank ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist, studio, or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. All you do is enter your data once, and you use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and a bunch more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used in the cloud from any location on any device. So go to artbase.com now to learn more, and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount.